you could be as amazing at your craft and whatever you do in life, you know, in your office or whatnot. But it's also about the, when you say the belonging thing, it's about, you know, being able to work with others because you could be the most talented person in your craft, but if you can't work well with others and if you don't know how to adapt and respect people's space, you know, just the space you're in and all that kind of stuff, it's not going to work. You know, and the way it relates into our world is, you know, you could be the most talented musician, but you have to live together. I live with these guys and see them more than my own wife and kids, you know, and it's like it's a full on brotherhood marriage. And that applies to any aspect because you do you're with in your workplace and whatnot, eight, nine hours a day um, and you want it to be family. So everyone enjoys the experience um, from top to bottom. Otherwise, it's not going to be good and there's going to be issues and why things don't work out you know and you have to have that understanding and that fondness with your team with everything to make it work otherwise it's not going to work and it's the same way when we're out here on tour you know we want to take crew opening bands people that we want to live with and see and be with every day and that's how so many things happen it's not about you know this or that it's like we want to take people that we want to be with because we're out here and we want to have a good time. This is, we get to do what we love to do and we want to make it the best we possibly can, you know, make it. Um, so it's really important to adapt and be able to work well with others, you know? show about the power of people. Each week, we explore how great brands and great leaders inspire loyalty, build community, and grow profits. Here's an award-winning leader, entrepreneur, best-selling author, and your host, Devin Halliday. All right, so I know I say this at the beginning of every episode, but this, <laughs> this interview this week is an absolute banger. Uh, it's this, this is a, a, a great one. And so special shout out and, uh, expression of gratitude to Mike Duprari at SJC drums. Thanks man for helping set up this incredible, incredible interview. So I was very fortunate to be able to catch up with Frank Zumo. He's the, he's the drummer for some 41. He's the founder CEO of, of street drum Corps. He's a musician. He's a producer. He's an artist. He's a writer. Uh, he's a businessman and he is a person who has such incredible, unique experience to share with all of us. Now, season two in The Belonging Factor, I, I've really made it a point to try and figure out how we can evolve into different lived experience stories and how we can evolve that conversation and dialogue that way. So, yeah, we'll still have some diversity inclusion practitioners. Yeah, we'll still have some people with their lived stories, but I really want to focus on those stories. I think there's so much value in it. And Frank, oh, my gosh. This is a tremendous interview. I caught up with Frank on the very first day of Sum 41's new tour. Uh, this was back November 1st, 2019, here in Pittsburgh. And we caught up backstage 
um, right before the show, right before they were getting ready to go out for their very first show of this new tour. And uh, and in in the month and change since this interview, Frank's been all over the place with some 41 touring. Um, But man, he shares just some incredible insights that you don't get very often because we get to kind of peek behind the curtain for somebody who's in the music industry somebody who is uh, in the entertainment business, but somebody who's a true, true kindred spirit when it comes to connecting people, experiences, the idea of love and emotion, the idea of trust and connection. I mean, Frank offers a lot. So (laughs) this is super exciting. uh, And I can't wait to share with you and have all of you join in to this incredible experience with Frank Zumo on the Belonging Factor podcast. Yeah, today's like the official day one of the tour. So we're just figuring it all out. It's like that just anxiety of day one because we're not only playing a lot of new songs, we're playing an anniversary of a, of a the Chuck record. It's a two-hour show. All the, you know, segues and I have a new drum solo tonight. So it's like the nervous energy all day to just get through the first show. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate, and I know that our audience appreciates you taking the time from that to shed a little light on some really interesting things. So one, one of the things that we like to do at the podcast is bring some interesting and different perspectives into the conversation about kind of maybe normal everyday stuff that we don't think about as much. So in this case, kind of talking about the idea of belonging, finding where you fit realizing when you got there that this is where I fit and then breaking that all apart as you, you know, work on your adventure of life and doing all the things you've done. So, you know, I, I gave you a couple accolades around being a drummer, musician, producer, songwriter, but there's so much more to what you do. So could you give us kind of the elevator pitch on your story right now in your life? Yeah. I mean, I'm starting this whirlwind of, you know, my second record with some 41 and a long world touring cycle. I mean, we started this cycle in March and already kind of went around the world just on the festival circuit and then just like intimate shows to do warming up. So we've done a lot already. And now this is like the real official kickoff. Um, we're out until December um, in, in America and Canada. And next year is going to be probably all overseas. Um, and, you know, it's just amazing to to continue the the journey, you know, of a band that I was a big fan of and then became good friends with and then got to, you know, be in a band with my friends and, you know, one of my favorite bands. And it just, you know, they've all been friends since high school. And, you know, I'm just, you know, I've known them for a long time, but working with them, you know, I my first record with the band was in 2016 and I probably joined in like 2015. So it's still like growing and learning and, and all that, which is amazing. And like where I was at with the band on record one to record two and just the touring and the show and, and all that, it's just getting um, just better and better. So you, um, so let me follow on with that before we dive into all of the other kind of things that you have in your life that I think all of the audience could learn from. Um, so you joined a band that was established, meaning these guys had, had played together for years and years and years, toured you know, in vans, on buses, sleeping on floors of friends' houses, all those things that bring people really close together. So yeah, I read an interview you did where you, you said 
kind of the that moment that you first sat with the band and you and you guys first played together just jamming that was a, a pivotal moment for you it, it, i think your quote was you said it felt like you were with your family yeah it, it just was a natural thing and that's why it, it just worked right away like when you know i've been friends with with the guys for years um through touring with street drum corps and some 41 was on warp tours and all that and i Derek lived in LA. We had a lot of friends in common. I'd always see him out. And when Street Drum Corps had our Vegas residency at the Hard Rock, he was our special guest. We'd have all these rad special guests join us because we were at Hard Rock. We want to bring in all these rad sure, rock yeah. stars, you know, from Tommy Lee to Derek Wibley to yeah. people. And it's the first time I ever played with him. And he played on one of our Street Drum Corps songs, which was cool. And I'd always just been a fan of how amazing of a front man and, and how he just captivated that crowd you know it's just such an amazing front man and um we played together and i was like wow this just it's awesome playing with him this feels really great and um literally the next week steve you know the original drummer quit the band hmm. and i was like this has got to be heartbreaking because they're been you know they're brothers from yeah. high school um but i gotta just say something and just you know, well, it's fresh. So I sent him an email and just said, sorry to hear about Steve. When you're ready, I'd love a chance to just jam with you. And I'm sure everybody was, here, oh, yeah. the guys. Yeah. Um, and he was like, well, I'm actually having a party, you know, come jam. And that turned into coming over, jamming, cover songs. Then we'd sneak in a couple of Sum 41 songs. And then when it got serious, he said, listen, I need to bring the band to LA and we're going to spend a week together, like learn all these songs, these deep record songs, and we're just going to play, we're going to hang. And, you know, I got in a room with all these guys and it was just awesome. It was so awesome. And then after a week of hanging, they asked me to, to be in the band. And, you know, a photographer showed up and there was like a photo shoot at Derek's house where we were jamming. And I was like thinking I wasn't, you know, going to be invited. Right, like, yeah. Come, come in jump in with us and i was just like originally thinking when you replace a key member like that you're just kind of going to be the live guy right you won't play on the records you won't be in the photos and they were like nah you're you're in the band you're you know we want this to be a band we don't want this to just be like you're the touring hired gun guy which was really special and then you know like it just felt so much greater i was like cool i'm in the band we're gonna do this and and then we immediately got in the studio and started making a record and that was just a very special experience because that's just completely different, you know, a different environment when you're, when you're working and being creative. Um, and then it's like, okay, we're going to play our first show and it's, uh, at the alternative music press awards. It's our comeback show. Dave Brown sounds back in the band. Um, we're going to play a medley of songs. It's in an arena. It's sold out and it's streaming live. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. And, DMC from Run DMC is going to pop up as our special guest. It was like the most <laughs> incredible but brutal first show, but like never forget that one and what a way to get, you know, thrown into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. So one thing you said really kind of resonated with me, and I want to draw the parallel to the world that a lot of our audience lives in with um, teams that they lead, whether it's in, in business, church, I mean, community, you name it, is this idea that they said, okay, cool, you're in the band. So let's draw the parallel to corporate world. Hey, you're hired. But then there's that second part, that part that is like, that's the real belonging part. That's the part where it's like, okay, I'm not just hired. 
I'm in this thing. Like I'm, I'm fully a part of now what is happening and my voice matters. My presence matters. I'm not just a cog in the machine. And, and, you know, the example you gave was, Hey, come get in the photo. You're in the band. And then of course that led to the record and then to everything else. And so thinking about like in a, in a corporate work setting, this idea that you've got people we hire, maybe uh, diversity hires or anything else. And we bring on board and we go, cool. We got them. They're here. But then there's this whole second part, and that's the important part that has to happen, is how do you create that sense of belonging or shared purpose? So was there something that you can identify specifically in that moment where it's like, oh, shit, yeah, we click. With our, we have a shared purpose that's beyond just the music we're playing, because a band is way bigger than the music that gets performed, right? Yeah, and I mean, the first thing before you asked that question that popped in my head was you could be as amazing at your craft and whatever you do in life, you know, in your office or whatnot. But it's also about the, when you say the belonging thing, it's about, you know, being able to work with others because you could be the most talented person in your craft, but if you can't work well with others and if you don't know how to adapt and respect people's space, you know, just the space you're in and all that kind of stuff, it's not going to work. Yeah, You know, and the way it relates into our world is, you know, you could be the most talented musician, but you have to live together. I live with these guys and see them more than my own wife and kids, you know, and it's like, it's a full on brotherhood marriage. And that applies to any aspect because you do, you're with in your workplace and whatnot, eight, nine hours a day. Um, and you want it to be family. So everyone enjoys the experience um, from top to bottom. Otherwise, it's not going to be good. And there's going to be issues and why things don't work out, you know, and you have to, to have that understanding and that bondness with your team, with everything to make it work. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And it's the same way when we're out here on tour, you know, we want to take crew, opening bands, people that we want to live with and see and be with every day. And that's how so many things happen. It's not about you know, this or that. It's like we want to take people that we want to be with because we're out here and we want to have a good time. This is, we get to do what we love to do and we want to make it the best we possibly can, you know, make it. Um, so it's really important to adapt and be able to work well with others, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Without question. And so, uh, you, you touched on something about being you know, on tour and that, that makes me think of the big element of why you're even able to go on tour. Great. You recorded amazing songs and great. You have an idea to play in front of other people but there has to be people to play for, right? So the fans, I mean, that's such an important and critical part of so much success that, that brands have and bands have. And so talk to me about that relationship that uh, exists with fans and kind of creating that environment or that connectedness where people can feel a part of everything you are doing, whether that's from the stage or meet and greets or loyal to the craft tours or any of the other mm -hmm. things that, that you do that really extend beyond just the minimum requirement of being a badass drummer that gets along with everyone. I mean, without them, this doesn't exist. Yeah. So we're grateful for everything. And like the second that music comes out, it's not ours anymore. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's everyone's to enjoy. And, you know, our whole purpose of touring and all that is to connect and have those moments like especially on this tour is a perfect example like we could have come out played all the singles played some new songs 
but we pushed ourselves and said, you know, fans on the internet, we everyone's posting about this Chuck anniversary. Let's throw that in too. I mean, let's really make the fans leave and feel so stoked and fulfilled that they got to hear new music. Hits the Chuck record, you know, even when I'm crafting drum solos, it's not about me. It's about what is going to relate and make them want to not leave and go to the bathroom or go get another beer. It's about engaging them, what's going to make them excited. I don't, I put the ego completely aside and don't sit there and say, I'm going to play a million notes and do a fireworks show and make it about me. It's about keeping the pulse and the flow and letting, you know, because because only a small handful of people are out there probably are drummers that are going to even know what I'm doing or appreciate sure. it. So I want, especially when we're doing festivals, I want everybody to, to feel that and have a good time. So, you know, and even like the way we built, you know, the, the big thing now with touring is everybody wants access. They want the meet and greets and all that. Like we've made it where people can come, you know, the fans can come watch Soundcheck and like we don't do some like stage, we're going to play these three songs and we're just up there going through it. Like you're just viewing our natural the way we would do it any day. We might be working through a song and it might be terrible. Okay. You know, we might play, you know, an old thing or work on something. Like we're just, they're observing our natural habitat. Like Derek goes out because he's very meticulous, you know, particular about how our sound is so he's always listening to the sound and the pa and the kids freak out because he's like standing right out there with them just listening to the pa you know and it's it's a just a very natural you know cool hang and like what i learned from all this and seeing the meet and greets was because we're on such a tight schedule here when we put together those loyal to the craft tours with mike who i'm standing in a room with you and doing this now because i'm you know mike from sjc yeah i know he was on this this podcast um we said Let's break down all those walls. There's no time limit. Like if we're in a venue doing our hang questions, meet and greet, and the venue has to close, like come on out, out front. We'll do, you know, yeah. the parking lot and just, you know, give those kids and especially the shy kids that didn't have it, you know, that don't want to ask questions in a group. Like we do have a one-on-one -on -one, um, after session or even, you know, I still to this day have kids, you know, direct messaging me and asking me about, you know, advice on how they're playing this song or with their bands and whatnot. So it's like really cool that connection because um, we try to do it the best we can on tour, but because the schedule is so tight, you don't have time for all that. So that was the goal and and, and going back to the fan thing, you know, it's so important to engage and like to, to engage in real life. Yes, in social media and that world is important but it's also important in, you know in real the one-on-one -on -one interaction because we're losing so much of that in this new digital age you know that we live in um i mean you'll see tonight i mean most of the people are looking at our show through their phones you know just to have that content you know for the night and it's just like i get it for a second but it's like you know I came from a time when I would go see these shows where when I walked into that arena, I was seeing it for the first time. There was no way to see it in advance or unless someone had seen another show earlier and they told you about right, it, yeah. but you never knew. I never knew what the drum set color was of that band I was seeing or the production or any of that. So, you know, it's just, it's such a wild, different, you know, time we're in now, which obviously we embrace and, and all that, but like, you just got to know how to balance it. Yeah, it, I love the point that you brought up about what I call a kind of a digital belonging deficit, meaning we we get attached to this idea that we posted this thing on Instagram and it got 2,000 likes like right away. And then we posted something else and it only got 600. And then we're like, what the hell? Why, why did I only get 600 on this one? There must be something wrong. Why don't people like me anymore? The reality is taking those online connections offline 
is so critical and so important. And it can be something as simple as just a direct message conversation with somebody versus the group kind of social aware, you know, not awareness, but the social media effect. But then even the fact that you guys take whatever it is, half hour or something to every single day, have a meet and greet with fans to be able to at least, you know, press some palms, take some pictures and have there be at least a moment. Cause I'm, I'm sure some people there it's starstruck. They come up, they're like, Oh, and take the picture. And then they leave and they don't say anything. And you're like, okay. And other folks might say something about how your drumming inspired them or a song was meaningful to them in a certain situation. How does that feel for you when you get a chance to hear that back? It's the best. I mean, it's, it's, so many people will say that their wedding song was a Sum 41 song or it helped them through, you know, a time. And it's just, it's cool to have that connection. We've had so many actual like proposals happen, which is insane that they picked that very important private moment in their life to, to share it like a meet and greet. And it's also, which I love is the kid, the kid, you know, with their upcoming bands, like the way they're hustling, they'll buy the meet and greet just so they know they're really going to meet us and to hand us their demo. So we'll get a USB stick or a CD of their band. I'm like, props. Like you yeah. went through this whole process yeah. because you know you might not see us running in and out of the venue or something like that. Um, you know, so it, it's so many different different things. But like the the when we do the Loyal to the Craft shows, like we always talk about we want to have that moment where like that magical moment that happens and the story or things that change and you know we've had multiple which is so incredible like to just have one is something but like you know to have parents pull us aside and say it helped their child you know their kid out of a dark place or all these things it's just it's so emotional um and you know it's it's been one of the greatest things i've ever done and i just i want to do it forever because i feel you know, go into this whole social media and all that, you know, when we as artists have this many eyes on us, it's important to do something positive with that and give back. And what I want to do with that is, you know, the amazing youth that we have who are coming up as musicians, you know, I didn't have opportunities and, and things like that. Um, and I want to be able to use that to motivate, to inspire, to give back. So I'd rather do that on social media and with the loads of the crafts and the meet and greets and all these fan interactions, instead of sitting there and posting about what I think about the state of the politics and what yeah. everybody else is ranting. Like that's my personal stuff that I just can keep private with, mm -hmm. with whatever. And I'd rather use if there's, you know, 30,000 some followers looking at me on one platform, I'd rather post a video of us inspiring a kid or saying, Hey, we're doing this loads of the craft tour, any upcoming band, you know, young bands, young drummers, come out here's the stage we give you we give this open floor do yeah. whatever you want every long you go you want to play i'll get up do my thing and then um you know we'll sit there mike and i and talk with the the you know the audience do q a and then i'll the coolest part is i'll go up there and jam with the kids and like we took it next level in this past i think it was like february when we did our second run in america where I called the PR team and I said, I don't want any press to be about like me, any of that. I want to flip it. I want to go on, if we can, every morning news show in all the cities that we're going to be in and bring 
one of the upcoming drummers who's from that city and have them play with me and be interviewed on that morning news show and say, come down to the show, free event, you know, and just to give that drummer like this little step in their career, like they were just on the morning news in the city they're from, like they're a rock star now. Like oh yeah, for their yeah, no doubt. And you know, it worked. We did it in San Diego. We had a girl be on double morning news shows and like she had never done anything like that. It's stressful even for me to be on at 7 a.m. You're on the morning news show. We're playing drums. You know, you're being interviewed. It's live. It's chaotic. There's people talking in earpieces that we don't even know what they're saying. And it's like this whole scene. <laughs> but it was like the craziest thing. I'm like, this girl is on Good Morning San Diego, wherever it was yeah. right now. And now she the has The Ron this. Burgundy show. <laughs> yeah. She has this for her like resume. Like I was in my city. I was on my morning news with the dude from Sum 41 playing a Sum 41 song and being interviewed. Like that was the coolest thing ever. And like I want that to be you know, the way it is. And like, it's the, the loyal to the craft brand is like blowing up now. I mean, Mike's been, you know, take, he's going to Japan with Jay Weinberg right now. Like it's all these other artists are getting involved and it's just getting cooler and bigger. And it's just so cool to be part of something special like that. I appreciate you saying that because, uh, well, actually you said a lot there. Um, let me just do this. So for our listeners, if you haven't listened to, I think it's episode six or seven in this podcast, go back and listen. Uh, Mike Japrari, he's the co-founder of SJC Drums which Frank happens to uh, play and love. They, uh, the, the, the company has worked with Vans to put on this Loyal to the Craft tour. And Mike talks about it in that episode. Uh, you can also go to sjcdrums.com and, and check out the, the, the work that they're doing. But Frank was kind of in the inaugural class, right? Did you guys start this in China? Yeah, we went to China and that's where the whole thing started. And, and it just blew our minds because... Drum clinics are a very big thing over there. There's yeah. Have schools. you seen Luke Holland? By the way, he's killing it over yeah, in Asia. It's, it's huge. Yeah. Like there's there's schools that have like two three hundred kids enrolled of just drums. Yeah, and all those students came out with their parents, and even with the language barrier, it was so incredible. And um, we had a lot of travel time, and we would just go have breakfast every morning and just take out our computers and brainstorm how we could take this around the world because we were both so inspired and it turned into vans, you know, presenting this whole thing and where it's come now really, really special. And it's like, I feel like we, you know, we've just only begun and I'm hoping, you know, in the new year coming up, we can do a lot more based around my touring schedule because it's like really one of the greatest things I've, I've ever done. Like, you know, we've had our, our, you know, kids out at these events too. And it's just so fun to see them, in this in you know that environment and mm -hmm. just to do them in all these different places because you know mike and i came from a time where drum clinics were not cool you know when we were coming up we would go see yes our favorite drummer but it was just such a sterile weird environment yeah, isolated too right i mean it's like audience barrier drummer let me tell you some things let me play some things and then we're done maybe a q a for a minute yeah it just never was it wasn't cool. It yeah. wasn't at a skate park or a coffee shop or like all these cool it, it was like going to an art history class in college or something. Totally. It's like, I, I got it. It's cool, but it's like not really cool. <laughs> well, and there were always a lot of, you know, super technical drummers. They weren't sure. like the guys that SJC's taken out and doing it with. You, you wouldn't see that kind of thing because I think most drummers are scared to do that. They're scared to get up and talk and they're afraid to talk about 
rudiments and soloing and all that. And it's like, no, this isn't what that's about. This yeah. is anti all that. Like the funniest thing is um, about a year ago, some 41, we were on an anniversary tour of the, those like infected record. And a dear friend of mine now owns the drummers collective in New York city. That's what, instead of going to college, that's where I went to study um, out of high school. I went there and studied and he's like, I want you to come in and do like a masterclass clinic. And He's like, but this is not like what you've been doing. You got to, you know, prepare to do like a real masterclass where you're going to teach stuff and, and all that. And I said, okay. And the smartest thing I did was I, I um, did like uh, pulled the room when I got there. I said, all right, how many people go to school here? How many people are some 41 fans? How many, whatever. And it was like literally like one student. It was all fans. And I'm like, there's no way I can yeah. sit here and talk about dissecting this part and whatever. And like, we just did it loyal to the craft style. Nice. And I want to be so awesome um, and different just to see even in a world like that, where we had the young, you know, new generation of, of drummers in a environment like that, where it is like very, you know, all these very technical drummers that come in and do their thing. It was cool to just break it down you know in that way and i'm so glad i i asked that question yeah. because i would have it was mainly some 41 fans who were coming to the show that night it would have just bored they would have just been it would have been over their head you know and that, that's another thing it's about learning to read the room and understand the room i mean we even do it in this band that's why we don't play to backing tracks where we're forced to do things this way like we have so much room for improv because it's all about the audience and the way Derek is responding with them with breakdowns and intros and outros. So we don't want to be locked into anything. Um, you know, and that's just an important thing too, is just to know how to read a room and, and understand, you know, so you can stay on course and just being flexible to do that and understand that. And that's something that, you know, you definitely have to learn over time, but it definitely saves the day in a lot of situations. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I've, I've definitely been there. So w there's a couple of things that I'd love to wrap up and put into some perspective that I maybe you are, maybe you aren't aware that you had. And then I want to pivot. So a uh, little perspective on all the things that you've talked about are the stuff that we talk about on here all the time, just in a more almost clinical kind of you know, dialogue about it around, you know, again, creating the sense of belonging, which stems from trust, acceptance, uh, feeling like you can fail and it's okay, being encouraged to use your voice and to, to express what I call constructive dissent, basically go against the grain if it's the right thing to do. Um, but to also be a student, be curious, and so a student of um, anything, whatever it is, but but just be a, a constant learner and be curious. Be curious about other people. Be curious about what makes them tick or why they're here. And so you touched on all different aspects of all of those things in the stories that you're relating. And I think that's important. So hopefully, you know, everybody who's listening gets the opportunity to dissect and think about when was the last time I got genuinely curious? I walked into a room and I assumed they knew what, what uh, I assumed what they wanted from me. And then I delivered and I fell flat. Why? Well, Maybe you just ask the question at the beginning, say, hey, so who's here from X, Y, or Z? Or, hey, who wants to hear X, Y, or Z? And then you you can deliver on what that room wants or what those people want. Another thing you touched on was you said, especially the shy kid, when you were talking about at Loyal to the Craft and going afterwards to do one-on-one. -on -one, and that's recognizing that there are people who have different experiences in their lives that have led to the way they maybe socially aren't feeling comfortable. Uh, so whether that's a team meeting or it's showing up to meet your favorite drummer at a, at a non-clinic, 
the idea to be aware of that and to to not see that as oh that kid's weird or oh that guy he doesn't know how to fit into our team, but instead go, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna approach this from a different opportunity because they showed up. Let me show up the way they might need me to, which is really awesome. So I want to pivot uh, in the little bit of time we have left here, and I would like to talk about something that's really important. I call it Team One, and that's family. So you're on the road a lot. You just described for me being basically all over the world on festival tours, um, and then now doing North America tour, and then next year another big world tour. That's got to be challenging on the dynamics, conventional dynamics of family. And a lot of the folks who listen to this podcast, and they're probably going to you know, smile and nod while, when I say this, um, do a similar thing with corporate world. They grind. They, they work 70-hour weeks and um, still try to find a way to balance. Actually, balance isn't the right word. Still find a way to make time for what's most important. How do you do that when you are in an aggressive recording and touring schedule? Yeah, I mean, family is the absolute priority always over anything and you know i been married for five years and now i have two children you know i have two boys i have my my oldest son is almost four and our baby who's not going to be a baby much longer he's almost one oh, wow so um it's extremely important to find that balance and you know there is time for everything it's about knowing how to just find the nice way to balance it all because i'm all over the place between family some 41 owning street drum corps which is a crazy drum troupe that we have multiple troops touring working all over the place um and then balancing a solo career and all this other stuff um you know it's just about making time and there's no excuses there's no um putting anything off it's just you do it you do it it's it's you know and you know i'm more even more inspired now because i have you know a family and boys that look up to me and count on me and this provides for all of that Hey, so I hope that you really enjoyed this interview with Frank Zumo. It was incredible to get access to Frank on the first day of this massive tour, world tour that Sum 41 was embarking on. And really great to get this insight from his perspective on all things from recording to touring to fans to family and what it means to truly feel like you found that place that you belong, which Frank did with Sum 41. So... Thanks again for listening to the Belonging Factor podcast. And as always, go to belongingfactor.com. Take a look at all the amazing things that we can do together to inspire others. So maybe it's time to take your side hustle up just another little notch. Or maybe you've started a business and it's time to grow. Or maybe you're just looking for a place to hold meetings. Or like me, you're looking for a partner who understands you, your business, and is willing to work with you to figure out how to make your business your clients' dreams come true. My partner, Serendipity Labs, in the Strip District in Pittsburgh. Serendipity Labs is all over the country, though. And let me tell you what. If you're looking to do any of those things, or maybe launch a book like I did with my book party at Serendipity Labs, you need, you need to check them out. I work with the most amazing people there 
with Paige and Edie, who absolutely look after me in a way that I feel incredibly unique and special, but I see them do it for all of the residents and members that they have at the lab. So whether you're looking for co-working, temporary, permanent office space, meeting space, or a place to give your new business a very professional image in front with all of the facilities and amenities you would come to expect from the best in the world, then go check out serendipitylabs.com. And if you are in the greater Pittsburgh area, go see Edie and Paige. Say, hey, you don't need to give them any special promo codes. You don't need to give them any special discount names or say Devin sent you down. They're going to take care of you just like you're part of the family.